tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. <laughs> it's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where Jesse brings a feminist truth and I have a sexy voice. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, major thanks to uh, reviewer Amanda Hugginkiss on Apple Podcasts for that beautiful, beautiful tagline. It is just the best. <laughs> how, did I, how did I not realize that was their username? That's a like bit of a deep cut Simpsons reference. <laughs> is it? I've yes. never seen The Simpsons. So um, yeah, thanks. Anyway, so this is actually... A podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. And I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blout. And today we're talking about chapters 21, 22, and 23 of Gayward Son, in which Simon is having a really grand time at the run fair with Baz until some other actual vamps show up and try to murk some wenches. Then an epic fight between our golden trio and a bunch of vampires is on. Every normal around is like, no idea Nebraska had a budget for this kind of show. LOL. Mm-hmm. Baz is still fighting vamps, uh, looking for Simon since they got separated, and trying to think of spells that are not ultra British. Good thing a mysterious black hottie in Warby Parker glasses helps him out with, with a nonviolent spell. Uh, he finally sees Simon, and he's being real hot slaying vampires. <laughs> Simon thinks Baz is also real hot fighting vampires, too. Especially when Baz just fucking conjures fireballs out of fucking nowhere. The three of them play off like Annihilating Vamps is just part of the show. Part of the Ren Fair, everyone. And they get the fuck out of there. Um, all the fighting gets Simon really hot and him and Baz finally make out. Jesus fucking Christ. However many pages into this book we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chapter 23, Penny is freaked out because they are basically breaking every law mages have, and Middley is going to kill her. Whoops. Yep. Um, all right. Three things before we get into it. One, this is our first episode of this podcast that we're recording since Jesse's injury. Be patient with us if we're less high energy than normal, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, two, it has been a month since we recorded the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> so if we talk about things that we already talked about in the last episode, and to you that was five minutes ago, to us that was 30 days ago. So... Has it really been a, a month? It's been almost exactly a month. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. There's definitely one thing I'm like, did you talk about this last time? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so that might happen. And, you know, that's that's why. And then finally, of course, we're spoiling the rest of the series. And with that, we're going to get into Easy Come, Easy Go. Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Do you want to start? I will start. Um, I love how this Simon's chapter starts off with just his like really intense food joy. And I love it for him also. And also funnel cakes are delicious and the shit. And I'm so glad that he's enjoying one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And so for folks that have never experienced a funnel cake, you basically pour batter. It's like kind of like a pancake-y batter into like hot oil and like weird shapes. So it becomes like a weird mess of fried dough. And then it's like covered with like powdered sugar or like other stuff. And Simon has chocolate sauce on his, which also sounds delicious. And a very typical, I don't know, Midwest <laughs> fair food. Yeah. All right. My next thing is Simon says that the Odyssey is a road trip. 
I love it so much. <laughs> I agree with him. And I made a, sh- a very short list of other things that are therefore also road trips. All right. Okay. All of the Percy Jackson books. Yes. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, definitely. That's my whole list. However, <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me really happy to think about all movement-based quest books as now just being road trip books. I know. I actually also have... Okay, so I have not read the Odyssey. I'm not super familiar with it besides like what I have gained from popular culture and like watching Wishbone as a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do know that's an epic journey of him, of whatever the main character is named of him like doing all this stuff trying to get back to his wife and his wife is like trying to like fend off 20,000 fuck boys trying to marry oh, her that's right okay um so i'm like yes this is definitely a road trip movie <laughs> a road trip a road trip book technically mm-hmm. yeah i would also love someone who has read the odyssey or knows stuff about the odyssey to weigh in on like <laughs> why the odysseus I almost guessed that. I'm like, is it Odysseus? And I'm like, that Why, seems too on the nose. I think I read part of the Iliad for a mythology class that I took, but I've never read the Odyssey either. I, yeah, I haven't read either of those books. So I think I know about them. It's just gleaned from popular culture. So I do not know the significance of why the mage is like, oh, Simon, you got to read this. And I'm like... What kind of weird fuckboy shit are you on? A fucking mage? (laughs) It's probably just about like, you know, being a hero and saving the day and stuff. Mm -hmm. That the mage wants him to like embody. Not getting distracted about trying to go back to your loved ones and just continuing to do the thing. Because like, I feel like the whole thing about the Odyssey is he like, there's like 20,000 things that happens to uh, Odysseus before him just trying to like go home. (laughs) Mm-hmm. you know anyway so if any uh literature folks want to weigh in <laughs> please send us an email yeah i think it's your time uh my the thing about this uh significance of the uh, odyssey was me so it's your turn oh okay so my next thing is just that i think it's a little weird that baz doesn't know how to fence it does seem like a thing that like a fancy rich person like ba- like 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 baz would know right mm-hmm. yeah i feel like kids like baz take fencing lessons like other kids take like swimming lessons you know but like he also was on the football team maybe he prefers that to fencing yeah but thinking back to the last chapter where it was like all the women in my family learned to play the dulcimer you know i feel like there's definitely some you know rich person bullshit things where it's like no you're learning this whether you not want to or not and fencing just seems like it would be one of them I mean, I think you're right. It does seem weird, but there are a lot of rich people sports out there. Like he plays tennis, right? That's what happened. That's why he's way he gets kind of in the first book. Yeah. So like tennis and football. Maybe he likes a team sport. Yeah, maybe. It is very funny to me though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that him not being able to fight. I'm like bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Baz is like definitely not butch i feel like i would be very shocked if baz knew how to fight i feel like fencing makes much more sense for the like kind of faggy gay that baz is than like knowing how to throw a solid punch yeah that's fair that's fair and i guess i'm like now i'm like well i guess if you have like a baby dragon as a boyfriend i'm like i guess you don't really need to know how to fight (laughs) true and a and a magic wand and a magic wand right all right, what do you have next? Um, Simon is like, I don't know where the fucking Sword of Mages is. I can't call it anymore. And I'm like, that's a good question. Where is it? And I'm like, oh, duh, it's clearly at the bottom of a lake or on a rock as per English mythology. <laughs> like, where the fuck else would it be? In the ether. Was it ever solid? It's solid when he when he calls it because he can use it. Correct. But was it ever... I feel like the Sword of Mages is made of magic. Like, I don't think it's made of, like, Mm. metal. Mm. I guess that makes more sense. I'm trying really hard to remember something about the way it's described as, like, coming into existence in Carry On made me feel like, like, I was never even sure if it was, like, visible when he was using it. Uh, 
Do you want me to check on my and the my eCapy because I can probably just do a search for it? Sure. I mean, he says he doesn't know where it goes when he's not using it. Yeah. Oh, it's an invisible weapon. More than invisible, really. It's not even there until you say the magic words. It's an invisible weapon? What? Sorry, I just am also just trying to be like, how do you wield something that you can't see? I mean, other people do see him holding it because people will be like, put that away. Yeah. So I feel like it means it's like invisible when you're not using it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think about the Sword of Mages as being like, um, you know, in Harry Potter book seven to like get into Ravenclaw Tower, the question is like, where do vanished objects go? And McGonagall says something like, they go into like a state of non-being, which is to say everything. Like they just sort of hmm. become part of like the ether that makes up the world. I feel like the sort of mages exists in the magic that they're accessing and then it solidifies into a sword. But it's never sense. it's never something that you could like you couldn't melt down the sword of mages, you right. know? Right. So it's not the bottom of the lake. It becomes the lake and the lake is magic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that if Simon ever figures out how to get his magic back, he would be able to call the sword of mages again. Yeah. Or like tap into the like inherent magicalness of himself because he has wings and a tail, but magic is still clearly working for him in order for him to be able to fly. Hmm. (laughs) Like Unless his bones are hollow now or something like a bird. Like, there's no way that he can fly without magic. <laughs> Which we yeah. can definitely discuss more in Is This Just Fantasy? Just because of, like, the way that birds and bats are built. And the way that Simon... The only thing that changes about his body is that he has wings and a tail. It's like, mm-hmm. he wouldn't need much more, many more changes if he's using his muscles to fly. <laughs> Which I don't think he is. I think he is, but I think that it's because he's part dragon. And I think that dragons are inherently magical. So you're totally right. It's like his physiology is now magical, even if he can't like access magic to like use it the way other mages do. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, but there might be a point in the future, in his future, where he could tap into that somehow, you know? And maybe it just wouldn't be via spell casting, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, we see like Baz conjure magic without, I don't think, saying anything. So, like, clearly that kind of like wordless magic is possible here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's genetic. Like, fireworking is passed down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, if Simon is from an old magical family, so two old magical families, one old magical family, two. Two old magical families. So he got, he's got some something, not just baby dragon <laughs> up in the mix. Right. Yeah, I guess the mage was the first one in his family who was like strong enough to test into Watford, but like obviously he still came from a long line of mages, and who knows if they were like not strong enough, or if for instance they only spoke Welsh and like just couldn't like do the specific spells that they were being asked to use. Yeah because English wasn't their first language. So. Yeah. Good talk. <laughs> yeah. How did we get there? Uh, talking about the sword of mages. Oh, right. All right. My next thing is about Baz as a 15-year-old closet case reading <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. What a goth baby. So many closeted teen <laughs> goths also did that. Baz, I want you to know that. I just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, it is your turn. Um, Simon recognizes a shitty duplicate of the Master Sword from Zelda, Ocarina of Time, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. And Simon probably kills at playing Zelda, and I love that for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I actually want to piggyback on that. Because he's like, Baz doesn't know what I'm talking about. He doesn't like games, whatever. And I was just like, Simon and Baz playing video games together while Simon is in this state would be such an excellent 
bonding exercise, like a way for them to both get, you know, good, happy chemicals going in their bodies. They don't have to talk, but they're still doing something together, especially if it's collaborative, like Lego Harry Potter is the only one that comes to mind right now. But like, I think that would be so great. And I just really want that for them. I think I know there are some you can get. I can't think of any, but I know that because like Sega doesn't isn't like specific to a system anymore, you can like get like Sonic games on really any platform. So they could and you could do like a split level where where you're like helping with Sonic or something like I don't know, Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can well, play that's, Mario Kart. <laughs> that's competitive. I was trying that's to true. think of ones where you're playing together. I yeah. think racing games would also be great. Anyway, um it's your turn because i piggybacked on your last one okay um shepherd we see shepherd here for the first time and he is here to the he's here for the rescue mm-hmm. and i'm just i love that for him mm-hmm. just hanging out at the run fair and he's like oh oh there's some real mages here hell yes i'm so excited we're gonna meet him officially in the next episode i think i'm just like cannot wait uh yeah i love him Mm -hmm. this is how i feel whenever i read a really good thing or any media where i'm like a black person (laughs) but i just especially just love shepherd he's such a great character yeah yeah he's just so lovely i just can't wait i know um all right my last thing here is just how much I enjoy imagining Baz like proselytizing about uh, the good <laughs> news about small mammals. <laughs> I definitely like had an image in my brain about like him and like a really just gay shirt, like going like door to door and being like, "Have you tried cat instead of human?" <laughs> he hates eating cats. He would probably go more for like guinea pig rats. Guinea pigs are pretty large. I'm pro-eating guinea pigs. I think they're horrible. (laughs) I hate guinea pigs so much. By which I mean, they creep me out. I don't like how you can see their bones through their skin. Even when they've been eating enough food, the sounds that they make I find very disturbing. I'm sure they're sweet and wonderful and make great pets. I just don't want to look at them or touch them or think about them. (laughs) You know, that's fair. That's fair. Even though I guess I also feel like if you're a vampire, you should probably would want to go for like medium-sized animals. Even though I guess it's much harder to come by like in an urban area. True. Oh, Baz, you don't even know how many medium-sized invasive species there are in the U.S. that you could be eating. It's true. You could be drinking coyotes from fucking Chicago all the way to San Diego and would never run out. Yep. Or helping with like deer overpopulation problems. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you want a you want a you want a six course meal? <laughs> eat eat a goddamn white tail deer, mm-hmm. or one of those feral hogs, man. You could be really, you you really could be proselytizing, just like you know, getting rid of invasive species. No one's gonna fucking know if you're out there eating thirty to fifty wild hogs. <laughs> <laughs> yup. All right. Um. Do you have anything else here? I have two more things. Okay. Just like the mention of Fiona hunting vampires, mm-hmm. quote unquote. I mean, maybe she actually is hunting vampires, but she's also fucking vampires. And I'm like, good for you for getting paid for, to hang out with your boyfriend, <laughs> Fiona. Yeah, I literally just wrote nah in my book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my last thing is that the way that Penny gives us the kind of rules of mages is kind of the rules of Fight Club. It's like don't talk about don't talk about the world of mages. <laughs> yeah. Second rule is don't talk about the world of mages. <laughs> Very true. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I see a little silhouette of a man where we talk about character development. I just love silly playful baz so much i just want this for him all the time he's i mean he's so lovely (laughs) i just really like it and he 
he's having such a great time. Yep. Yeah, the scene about them badly sword fighting with fake swords is very cute. Mm-hmm. I also love how Simon is like, man, Badge really hated the school uniforms. I'd like never see him wearing the same clothing combination or same thing twice. And I'm like, you know, as someone who wore a school uniform for many years of my education, I understand Baz is being like, fuck this. <laughs> Nothing but wild gay prints from here on out. <laughs> yeah. That was actually my only Baz point. Do you have any other ones? Yes. Um, I did also forgot, forget that I'd put that, like, he's bad at sword fighting and fighting in general and, like, LOL gay. That's <laughs> what I put after <laughs> that. Um, but, okay. I... I just want to talk about that, like, for all of Baz's sort of angry cat aggression at these vampires, he, like, feels for a decent amount, like, reluctant to murder them. He is, like, using Buzz off to, like, push them back. And he just doesn't necessarily want to kill them, even if he's like, how dare these fucking vampires be here? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, an angry cat, I feel Mm -hmm. like. And I'm just like, yeah, wow, Baz, you really need to, like, kind of work through your self-hate about being a vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, your very complex feelings that maybe you haven't worked through as much as you think that you have. I think him and Simon both are kind of on the fence about whether or not this is a thing that they actually should be doing. Simon more than Baz. And I think that they should be on the fence because I, which we'll talk about, I guess, in a minute. But, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense that Baz is a little apprehensive about doing this pretty questionable thing that they're yeah doing. yeah i mean i appreciate right that they're both kind of like oh mm, should we do this and like not really until they think that the women that have gone off with these what they assume are fake vampires getting potentially murdered are like all right i guess we should step in yeah so simon we get you know he's talking about baz's outfits and he says he's coming into himself and i'm coming apart And then he goes on to be like, but not today. Today I'm someone else entirely. I'm just a bloke with fake red wings. And it just feels very... I'm doing big hand gestures, listeners. It feels very potent that that those two lines together, you know? I guess you kind of see, you know, the I'm coming apart thing. This is the... This thing that Simon has been carrying for the last however long and but right now he's not feeling that and it's kind of like this little like clouds parting sun shining in like maybe i don't have to feel that way maybe being here in public with my wings out and my hot boyfriend maybe this is me maybe i'm not coming apart maybe i just haven't been accessing who i am now yeah it just feels hefty yeah it, it does, it feels really hefty. And I think it is also interesting to kind of go from that at the beginning of these chapters to sort of at the end where he is back in this kind of pattern that he, wa- that he was in before where it's like, oh, you're fighting bad guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And him being like, this is great. I feel great. This is incredible. And I'm like, I mean, part of it is probably you being a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, which I think is understandable after seven years of fighting for your life and your friends' lives because of monsters and the mage. But I'm like, I'm like, how does I know that's a good thing? (laughs) You know, Simon, you can't like always just be murdering monsters, you know? That's not really your life anymore. And I think that like, yeah, I, I think, you know, since part of his sort of what's really weighing on him is kind of like this like now what of himself and like who he is without being like, the mage's sword you know or the chosen mm-hmm. one so it's like i'm really glad that he is in this place where he's like in a much better mood even though i'm kind of like you can't always just be epic fighting vampires my dude <laughs> you know yeah i mean it makes sense to me though that you know this is sort of how he's always defined himself is as someone who saves people so just that feeling of oh, there is a thing that I'm good at. There is a thing that I know how to do. There is a thing that gives me purpose. 
obviously it's not sustainable. I think Simon should probably, I think he really probably needs a lot of movement to be happy. So he should maybe, I don't know, work on a farm or go into some other sort of very physical job. I don't like thinking about like when Evan has been really ill for like long periods of time he I think the biggest thing that takes a toll on his mental health is the fact that like he's a builder he is moving like he goes to work and moves for like six to eight hours and then comes home and walks three dogs like he is moving all day and being stationary for more than like a couple days he just starts losing it and I think that's how Simon is too is like he has all of this kinetic energy just built up inside of him all the time so I think part of it is just like getting real exercise like using his body in this way that he's familiar with is like unlocking I think a thing inside of him that has been wanting to get out for the last year yeah and like doing it with a purpose that he's like yes because I feel like right now in his life Simon doesn't really know like what to do with himself mm-hmm. you know he's not really to say sure even of his options of right. what he could be doing and it's like he needs to have i think for him he needs a he needs a purpose to be like doing a thing and i think you're right i think doing a thing where it's like a very a very physical thing is like way better for him than like kind of the sort of uh intellectual place that penny and baz are at right you know? and i don't think he could get it out of like going to the gym Though, as I'm saying that, I can absolutely see Simon becoming a rock climbing person, which is a very specific kind of person. But I feel like a lot of there's a lot of like alternative gays who like go to the gym, they try rock climbing once and suddenly it's like three quarters of their personality. I can see that happening to Simon. I feel like it makes sense because I feel like what I have never liked about the gym is that it's mentally boring for me. Mm -hmm. That's why I like hiking. Like hiking is is like physically and mentally stimulating. And then, yeah, and I feel like rock climbing, I feel like that makes sense to me because it like, it is, it's a little bit of like problem solving. It's a little bit of like pattern finding. It's more, it's just as much mental as it is physical. And I think that like. And you can do it with other people in a way. Yeah. Like you can just like chat while you're rock climbing with someone else. You don't even have to be like, you know, like when you're jogging together where you're just sort of like, yeah, we're doing this simultaneously. You can be like you know, what are you going to do later while you're rock climbing with your friend? So Yeah. Yeah, I think the only time I liked when I tried to, like, go to the gym for, like, my mental health was when I would go in the evenings and I would be in the treadmill as Jeopardy was on. So I'd, like, watch Jeopardy on the treadmill so I could, like, you know, yell answers. And, like, mm-hmm. my brain is, like, great, Jeopardy. Love it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I felt like Simon needs to, I feel like he, like, would be great, like, in a community garden or something. Oh, yeah. Or working with kids. Oh my god, He'd yeah. He'd be such a good camp counselor, preschool teacher. Simon would be an incredible preschool teacher. Yeah. Yeah, he'd also be great working with animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Simon, just go uh, go volunteer at an animal shelter. <laughs> go wrestle some dogs, I think, for your mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, so if you try to, like, bring, like, eight of them home, he'd be that person who's like, but I can't just leave them all. And yeah. Baz would be like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You can get one cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Baz would definitely have a an entire pack of giant dogs if it made Simon happy. This is true. I'm having so many feelings about all of this that we're talking about. <laughs> uh, <sighs> all right. Do you have anything else in this section? I think I covered everything that I had about him. Or... Oh, one more thing. Um, we get another. We just get a little brief thing about someone being like i'm not totally sure again what my sexuality is but i really appreciate all these boobs on this on display and i'm like you know that's legit (laughs) yep yeah i really liked that and i think this really sort of plays into my you know recurring theme of i just really wish that simon's attitude about sexuality could be the you know socially accepted like universal idea about sexuality which is like i can name it if i want to but also it doesn't really matter if i am able to and like i just love that he's like maybe i'm only super attracted to baz of all of the people in this world but also like 
all these tits that's nice and that that's not causing him any sort of like agony i just really like it right it's like look at this aesthetically pleasing thing that is happening all around me and it's like yeah great cool Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. So I uh, am on Team Simon here, on Team Give the the Vampires the Benefit of the Doubt. I think that what our trio does here is like really fucked up, and I don't think they should have done it. And I know that they don't know yet that vampires don't kill people. So I understand why they're doing it, but it still sucks. Like, once they figure out that vampires don't kill people, they're gonna have to be like, holy shit, we, like, murdered six people in Nebraska. Fuck. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, and clearly they're like, oh no, these, like, ladies are screaming because of the vampires. Clearly they're being murdered. And it's like, maybe they're just like... It's like, clearly these six people weren't gonna murder visitors to the Ren Fair in the Ren Fair and like leave their bodies there. Like I'm just like that that wasn't gonna happen. Like no. just like the I mean, America is a fucking dumpster fire of incompetent <laughs> law enforcement, but like they they're trying to be subtle. They're, people would have been like, oh, someone's fucking in the woods behind the Ren Fair, which I'm sure happens a lot. So Right. Yeah. They definitely were not going to murder those people. And right, I mean someone getting like afraid if she like saw their teeth or something like that, that makes sense. But she was not going to be murdered. That was yeah. never. That was never a risk. Yeah. So it's like you know, the gang ex- had some caution, but it's like maybe you could have had a little more caution. Yep. All right. What do you have? Okay. So we have Penny sort of explain why it is why it would be bad if normals found about mages mm-hmm. and like I guess it's funny this hasn't even come up in the Gaelic Prophet yet about. If muggles knew that we had magic, blah de blah, it'd be over. And I'm kind of like, in one way, yes. But I'm also like, I feel like that sort of assumption is feels very limited. And the assumption that like, well, I mean, look at like white imperialism. Clearly, if normal people knew what was going to happen, then we would all just be all X number of terrible things that happens during imperialist takeovers of like, places with natural resources and like blah de blah and i'm kind of like okay yeah like imperialism is bad i can see why mages are like actually we don't want that to happen to us but the assumption that it would happen like that that way of thinking would happen throughout the entire world is pretty ridiculous because again there's a ton of cultures that it's like has have magical traditions and wouldn't rat out mages for doing magic you mm. know and I guess I wonder if part of this going kind of unexamined is because this book is written by a white person. Because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, that paints a pretty like rotten view of like all of humanity when it really is just painting a rotten view of like imperialism mm-hmm. and like terrible rich people in power who like want things. As we end up seeing with the whole next new now thread. You right. Know? Like those are the kind of people you want to keep magic away from. Just like those are the kind of people who shouldn't be making decisions about our, you know, drilling into the fucking Grand Canyon or, you know, even if the government should even have the Grand Canyon as opposed to fucking giving it back to like indigenous people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, part of me just kind of feels like this sort of mind frame about just being like, mages would never be free if if, like normals knew about us. It's very kind of like, okay, but that's not everyone. Mm-hmm. And like it's just some terrible fucking awful people and you could definitely hide from them because rich people aren't very bright like mm. they are rich because they have a bunch of money and are doing a bunch of underhanded things but i mean it's not like look at our billionaires not a brain trust you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i don't know so i guess i have some feelings about this to be like oh okay yeah uh not everyone thinks like this mm-hmm. but also an awareness of like yeah in the world yeah you would definitely be worried about terrible people trying to take advantage of you but it's not like everyone on a whole totally yeah i think that's a really great point 
And I think that just it, I think that's important to mention. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it very much feels like a, we don't want to happen to us what happens to people of color, which is like a very fucked up view to have. <laughs> you know? And like, I don't know, I think worth examining, especially in for books written by white people. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, I guess we should probably talk about involving Harry Potter at some point, but seven years from now, whenever we get to books seven, we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is definitely something that I want to return to. And I mean, we even re- we'll even return to it in this book when we like get to like Shepard and it's like, yeah, Shepard is like on the level, you know, mm-hmm. like what's he going to do? Call CNN? He's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> also literally no one would believe him. Like, bro, like, come on y'all. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it too. Yeah. I think there's like so much there that like we need to explore. I want to, I think now, like, the scenes with Now Next and Agatha are going to also invite opportunity for that, too. So, yeah, I'm excited to keep talking about this. My last thing here is just the very, a very brief appreciation of the fact that Penny says outright that the ethics of mind wiping are dodgy. Thank you. I also appreciated that. (laughs) I'm like, yes, thank you for saying that. It is dodgy. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Uh, since we talk, ended up talking about the vampires, I really kind of have, like, two connected things. Okay. So, we've already discussed, of course, the weirdness about, about Baz being unable to use British spells. Mm-hmm. So, let's, so, I'm just going to go with Baz can't use these British spells. What is weird to me is that we get in these chapters that Baz is very well versed in Shakespeare. And considering that, like, I don't know, a fourth of all words have, were, like, created by Shakespeare, it seems weird that there would not be spells he could be using that are, that are Shakespearean in nature that would probably work extra well here because it's a bunch of, like, Renfair weirdos. Mm. That's a great point. So. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like it feels like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. just sort of along with that, it seems weird because, again, so many words and phrases created by Shakespeare that are used in both UK and American English still. It seems weird that Simon hasn't read Shakespeare. That seems like a thing that you would read at Watford unless Simon just missed a lot of school killing shit, which is also possible, which is also, I would believe. Does it say that he hasn't read Shakespeare? He, I think Baz says uh, a couple of lines from Shakespeare and Simon is like, doesn't understand the reference. And he's like, oh, so you've read like the Odyssey, but you haven't read Shakespeare. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think that was, Simon just says, is that more Shakespeare? And Baz is like, yeah, sorry. I know you prefer Homer, which I think is just flirting. That's fair. I I think Simon, I mean, they read so much Shakespeare at Watford. He's definitely read it, whether or not he absorbed it or, like, understood it. I mean, Shakespeare is, like, I think has to be taught really well to be able to be meaningfully understood in this century. Um, Yeah. Because it really, I would say, like, most of it really isn't, like, intuitive, I, I don't think I ever took like a Shakespeare class. I read some some Shakespeare, some Shakespeare in at least one English class in high school, and I feel like I was massively helped in being able to understand understand Shakespeare by the fact that I watched Romeo plus Juliet literally every day for all of seventh grade. Without that, I don't think that I would be very good at understanding anything in a Shakespeare play either. <laughs> And I think this is actually the problem of what I think is the problem with when Shakespeare is taught poorly is that the thing about plays is that reading it is like not even half of what happens in a play. Like you're supposed to be watching it with people who are interacting, who are like doing things with their bodies and their like intonations and like 
the design of the stage and like all of that completes the story where like a novel or whatever you know that people aren't going to get that so you have to create all those extra details and like a play is just is stage direction and dialogue you know Right. And so I feel like if you're reading Shakespeare, you really should either be watching it live or at least watching a really good movie adaptation of it. Because yeah. like, if you're just reading it, you're not going to know what the fuck is happening. That's like, you know, like the whole point is to be exper- <laughs> to mm-hmm. be experiencing it, to be watching it. So I don't know. I try to do like, I try to do some like, like a giant research project in college on like plays, but it's like, I rapidly realized it's like, oh, I can't do any research. I have to see these things. Mm-hmm. I can't just read the books and be like, I could make a, do any kind of analysis. It's like, no, I have to see, like, and I'm in the fucking, I'm in Michigan. I can't see shit. Right. Like, it's not, I'm not in New York. So I'm like, well, this isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't read Shakespeare. Just watch, watch a really good <laughs> Go see some fucking performance of it and you'll get a way better grasp of it or right the baz lerman romeo and julia <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i think you're totally right because right i mean romeo and julia is full of like sex puns and like filthy dialogue that's super funny and you would never know that by reading it it is not clear at all you only know that if you see someone say it lewdly you know you have to hear the actor deliver it in the tone where you're like oh you said something filthy like i understand now or like you just made a sex joke i understand now right and since the mage got rid of the drama society at watford uh i don't think simon had a lot of opportunities to learn shakespeare very well yeah Clearly, another activity him and Bash should do is rent the Basler and Romeo and Juliet together. Uh, yes. Is it? I don't even know if it's on streaming, but like bootleg it, something. Okay, so I learned today that uh, the term cop off or copping off, which is what Simon says the vampires are doing in the woods, um, or at least at first, that's what he thinks they're doing in the u.s means like play hooky or like leave early uh but in the uk it means make out or sometimes it even means have sex and i think that is an incredibly confusing and dangerous uh (laughs) duality of options (laughs) it it truly it truly is it truly truly is imagine being like oh the boss is out of the office so like we're all gonna cop off today and like your one british coworker is like the fuck you're like having an orgy in the office <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, <sighs> great i know um the only other thing i have is just like the the depth of my appreciation for the way that they leave this fair no yes! no bounds <laughs> Yes. It's like, good night, everyone. Good night. Pa- pass the hat around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As I like backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so perfect. So perfect. Baz is so quick on his feet. Such a quick thinker, you know? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saving any- everyone's asses there, Baz. Mm-hmm. Very, very I feel like cool. Simon literally would have just like flown away into the sunset. <laughs> he would have! <laughs> like a startled pigeon i would have been like wow man the, the special effects here at this red fair are incredible uh-huh. <laughs> i didn't even see the wires Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways you can support this podcast. I know you're all probably really growing weary of hearing me say this, but the fact remains that as of this recording, we're still around $4,000 away from our really urgent Patreon goal. And also, the fact remains that we could reach that goal right this moment if like a hundred of you pledged at the $33 a month level or if like a thousand of you pledged at the $3 a month level or 
you know, some combination of numbers pledged at any of the interval numbers right now. Like we could, we could do that today. So I'm just like genuinely asking for you to do that because you know, it's really important for Jesse to have a steady and reliable source of income. During this very weird, weird time of my life. And um, if you don't have any money, you should convince any friends that you have that do have money to listen to the show. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be your money. It could be someone else's money. That's fine, too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you can also, like, I mean, rating and reviewing us on the platforms that you listen on is super helpful because it you know, boosts us up in the ratings, streaming the show more. Like if you want to just like turn it on and put your phone away so that Apple's like, wow, you like really love this podcast. People are really listening. That helps. And I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has already pledged and to our patrons who've been able to increase their pledges. We're like really, really thankful to all of you. Yeah, I can't, I like, I feel like I really don't have words to describe how thankful i am for everyone who increased their pledges or has joined our patreon anew listener supported means you get 110 percent unadulterated our opinions about mm-hmm. all of these things and if you enjoy that please consider spreading the word about this here podcast yeah and i also speaking of the rating and reviewing thank you also to i will never find a unique name and mix <laughs> our artemisia for reviewing us recently it really does help right patreon.com slash the gaily prophet that's where you can pledge this episode if you're not listening on patreon i'm sure is like 10 minutes longer we have been very off topic today (laughs) but it's been all wonderful off topic conversations that will be in the patreon episode so if that sounds fun to you you should totally join you will not regret it and, like, if you can't, if that's not a thing that's financially possible for you, please know that that's okay. And, like, we get it. We appreciate any kind of support that you are able to give us, monetary or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, inflation has risen and wages have not. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard out there for all of us. So, yeah. no, no worries. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Do you want to start? Uh, I think we should. I mean, we already mentioned the not a, euf- a euphemism, sexy sword fight. But mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at one moment when uh, I just, all, I feel like all of my things here are just Baz and Simon both admire each other when they're fighting, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very cute. It's so good uh yeah baz describes simon wielding two weapons against a vampire like the illegitimate grandson of indiana jones and robin hood which is such a hot description i'd like (laughs) it's great yeah the uh the description of like the axe head breaking off and then simon staking the vampire with a handle is so hot I mean, I don't think he should be killing that vampire, but like that is very hot. Yeah, I won't. I won't lie. At that scene, I just started like singing the like Buffy theme song in my mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like. <sighs> but yeah, uh, I also really loved when Baz is like, "Is this how you defeated the hobgoblin?" Like when they're sword fighting, and Simon says, "You're more distracting than a hobgoblin. Your hair is shinier." That's so cute and wonderful. <laughs> they are just so cute. And we know, I don't know if a hobgoblin is different from a regular goblin, but we know that at least goblins are like very sexy. So like Baz being sexier than a goblin is also saying something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also just have to say that Simon is very here for when Baz is just like focusing to conjure fucking like these balls of flame in his hands and i'm like holy fucking shit (laughs) i'm like yep that sounds hot as fuck Mm -hmm. like 
Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> very much intended. Because, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he literally says that's a very attractive way to die. He sure does. It's amazing. I know. Uh, my last thing here is just about, uh, like, Simon and Baz making out after the fight, and Penny's, like, so mad at them, but Simon's just like, no, I am so hot for you right now and i just wrote parenthetical hungry and horny (laughs) (laughs) oh my god wow how did (laughs) yes perfect genius incredible yes That's about the reference. Anyone who missed it. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to read a scene about slaying vampires and not think of Buffy. Definitely. And uh, and since Rimbo Rowell is also a fan of Buffy, I'm sure she also was thinking very similar. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Do you have anything else here? I don't have anything else here. All right, so before we go, we have a Kiss Kill Improvise. We do. So your choices today are Vamp dressed as Captain Hook, Vamp dressed as Lestra, Lestra, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and Vamp dressed like Count Chocula. <laughs> your Kiss Kill Improvise. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> Okay, I'm definitely kissing the Captain Hook one. That's hot. I'm going to go ahead and improvise with Count Chocula because that person sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) And so I guess that means I'm killing Lestat, which also sounds legit. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Um, do you, I have, I have all the spells we get here first. Yeah, that's actually all I have. So let's go through them. All right. So we get a burn baby burn, which I feel like I should know where that's from. I should look that up. Yeah. I actually assumed that you would look it up. So I did. Oh. Disco Inferno. Oh, That's duh. The first thing that comes up. Probably. All right. Yeah, it also looks like Disco Inferno was in the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. And it looks like there were, there's like a Tina Turner cover and a Cindy Lauper cover. I mean, Saturday Night Fever is a pretty, it's a like, it's like a very popular movie in the cultural zeitgeist. So. True. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of cultural capital behind this spell, I think. Yeah, no kidding. There's a novel and a later song and I a mean, Law & Order episode. <laughs> I mean, I think also similar to Off With Your Head yeah, mm-hmm. from, of course, Alice in Wonderland. Definitely. Which I'm sure a lot of there are a lot of funny spells from that because of the, I mean, just the sheer amount of like remixes of Alice in Wonderland that exist in the world is like mind-boggling. Oh yeah, I feel like everything from Alice in Wonderland is a spell. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really great graphic novel called Alice in Sunderland that is about the sort of it's about where Lewis Kerr was at in his life and his inspiration and kind of it like touches upon all of the ways that like Alice in Wonderland is like in the cultural zeitgeist. Mhm. I read it years ago. It was very good. Awesome. I have a lot of, like, Alice in Wonderland related books and, like, versions of it. I really like Alice in Wonderland, so I should definitely check that out. Yeah, I think you I think you would like it. I, I remember really liking it when I read it years ago, so. Um, did you look up Guts for Garters? I did not look up Guts for Garters. Me either. Sorry, I didn't look up any of this stuff because I was... Which is not, I mean, not not normally where I'm at usually. It's okay. You have all of the excuses. To threaten to have someone's guts for garters is to state the intention to do them serious harm. Apparently, according to the internet, it originated from Tudor, England. 
just because of, I guess, the popularity of disembowelment as a form of torture before execution. <laughs> the popularity of disembowelment is an extremely upsetting sentence. Okay. <laughs> Gross. Okay. What do you think that spell would do? Like, literally disembowel them? I guess so. Baz. Jesus. Um, yeah, and then we get this progression of things that should push them away. Sod off, bugger off, push off, naff off, and then we finally hit an American version, which is buzz off. Yeah, I actually love how it just gets progressively more British. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like fuck off would have been the most effective of all of the options, honestly. You know, I think so too, but I think segue into my next point. I kind of love this sort of magical theory world building that using swear words and spells is tricky, mm-hmm. you know, because like, because right, I would, I also was like, you could have just used fuck off, but that's like, it depends on the audience, which is like, I think this is the first time that we get a bit of magical where it's like the magic is depending on who is listening, experiencing it. Mm. where it's like if it depends on the audience and that must mean that like this magic must also have some sort of dependency on like the experience of the people who are hearing this magic happen Mm -hmm. you know which is wild that is wild yeah but i mean i don't know i'm like i think fuck off is pretty straightforward yeah there's a lot of ways that we use swear words to mean like different kinds of things but i think there's really only one interpretation of fuck off yeah and i feel like i feel like he must just be specifically talking about the word fuck which is obviously has so many uses and places in the english language would have just what a great uh you know little placeholder of a word Mm -hmm. or i feel like a lot of other swear words you like you couldn't use as it isn't they aren't as versatile as fuck no true imagine being a magical scholar and you're like my everything i'm studying is just using the word fucking magic Mm -hmm. (laughs) you could totally write a thesis on that i am positive that would be me (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) oh that'd be so fun so that's everything i have here do you have anything else i do okay um so i have another thing about magical theory in which baz tries to use kindly buzz off and doesn't work even though he's like, and I'm like, so do adverbs add a little extra oomph to your spell? And I think if so, I'm like, I don't know what he could have said that would have been like, maybe like seriously fuck off, I think, if we're thinking about American English. I think it would actually be like buzz the fuck off or the hell yeah. off or, you know, like we would put the extra emphasis between buzz and off. Yeah. Or if I'm, or if like I'm thinking things that wouldn't be adverbs, it'd be like, for real fuck off you know yeah so and it's, it's just interesting because i'm like i don't know how much we we see of like the addition of like adverbs or something like that other like whatever adverbs qualifiers signifiers whatever whatever they are to like increase the magic the increase the power of your spell mm-hmm. so i'll be keeping an eye out for those from yeah. here on out because i'm just like oh yeah that's very cool yeah, I really think you could, and you could add fuck to really any of these spells, and it would be like you could just get the extra oomph from using the word fuck in in this situation. That's so true. Like off with your fucking head would be somehow even more powerfully decapitating. This is how this is this 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 was how Nico got by with his wand. <laughs> he just added <laughs> fuck to all of his spells. I don't think he needed to, right? He was as powerful as Ebb. That's true. All right. Uh, last thing is we we see Simon complain multiple times about all of the fake weapons he's essentially using and how he tries to like hit vampires and they just break. This is very realistic. I mean, for number one, if you're buying a sword at a run fair, it's like, yes, it's a sharp piece of metal, but it's not like a functioning sword. And, like, in general, if you're trying to hurt someone with, like, a sword or a knife and it's just not built for that or it's cheaply made, it's going to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if they're not a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is that, you're right, he's fighting vampires who are very impervious to stuff, it seems like. 
So, I mean, you could definitely hurt someone with a Renfair sword. IRL. But, I don't know. If you have, like, a really cheap folding knife, you try to stab someone, like, it might just break off mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you do that. Because bones are strong. Right. Like, if they're wearing denim, you know. Yeah, like bodies are tough. Of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just appreciate that being like, oh, yeah, that's actually a very realistic detail in this <laughs> unrealistic scene that is happening. Mm-hmm. That is my last thing. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 24 through 26. Don't forget to join our Patreon if you can. It is at The Gaily Prophet on Patreon. And this episode will be way longer with lots of charming digressions there. So, you know, it's super fun and you should definitely check it out. Yeah. You should follow us on uh, Instagram or Twitter. We are at both places at The Gaily Prophet. Um, you can also check out our website to listen to episodes, check out our merch, do all kinds of fun stuff. And that is at uh, hashtag ruthless.com. If you want to find me on the internet, I am at Lark Malachi on Instagram. My website is larkmalachi.com. And if you missed my Kickstarter but still want to buy a tarot deck, you can totally do so in our shop. So hashtag ruthless.com slash shop. It's there forever, for always. Um, Yay! Yeah, so uh, that's real That's real exciting. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit. Or on Instagram at live from Detroit. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.